Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. And Ellie. Thanks for coming on, Ellie. How's it going? Pretty good. So this has been a wild start of 2021. You know, yeah. basically not the end of the um, Trump administration. Thank fucking God. We just got through the final day as of this recording uh, without any new shenanigans. So there's that. But this whole thing kind of reminded me of this meme I saw on the internet where they're like, where the kid is asking their mom, um, hey, I want McDonald's. And kid, mom's like, we got McDonald's at home. This And joke being that Trump wanted a coup and mom said, we have coup at home. And this is what we got. This big failed bullshit thing. Yeah. So um, the other joke I heard about this that this was that was pretty excellent was um, in the past four years we couldn't have we couldn't uh, sponsor any coups in the Middle East so we decided to have one at home. Yeah. Also, because like travel mm. restrictions and COVID, it's like safer to stay home and do your your coup. Your coup. Like locally. Yeah. Keep your yeah. Keep your yeah. coups local. It's like think globally, coup locally, or think globally, coup locally. Oh, that's cute. Oh, adorbs. So I decided you know what this is going to be the last time we're going to give any major headspace to this asshole so we're going to do a big quick retrospective on all the things trump has done that scared the fuck out of us yeah and then we can release some of them at least some yeah there's no way we can cover all of them i mean if you want to get my original research notes we basically have a book or two but no okay well uh what do you what do you want to highlight? Oh, let's, let's, go, well, let's talk about the more lasting stuff first. Of course, the Supreme Court appointments um, that he put up. So basically, he replaced two Supreme Court justices. Three. Was it two or three at this point? Um, that was two. So there was that. Um, then there's federal um, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. And then there was also several fervil spots that he filled because they had the House and Senate able to do that. They opened up LGBTQ employment discrimination, uh, both in the federal and both federally in the government and within businesses by handing out licenses to discriminate. They banned transgender people from the military. They rolled back civil rights interpretations for transgender and non-binary workers. Let's see. Oh, this one's new to me. Kick people living with HIV out of the military because of their status. Oh, I didn't know that either but shit yep uh let's see what it's advocated for the elimination of affordable care act which of course disproportionately impacts lgbtq people just because hey trans people need health care that personally impacted me a little bit because i was afraid that they might uh strip out transgender surgery you know categorically from coverage at all under that but they didn't that was one of the reasons i really raised to get it created a religious discrimination division within the health and human services which was to basically defend medical professionals who refuses to treat LGBTQ patients. Uh, there was DeVos's failure to address any complaints by LGBTQ students on terms of discrimination. There was the rollback of the guidance for transgender students in schools by the Department of Education. Rejected, specifically rejected complaints from transgender students. Again, DeVos uh, tried to basically make it easier for schools to, again, discriminate against LGBTQ people, even when they were accepting taxpayer funds. That's like a whole thing. To use Title IX to discriminate against trans students, claiming that school policies allowing trans students to participate in sports consistent with their gender identity violated federal law and threatened to withhold funds because that's the fastest way to get universities and school and institutions is by saying, hey, you know that money we were giving you? No more. Cut out the trans people. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Allowed emergency centers to design access to transgender and gender non-conforming people. That's an oldie but a goodie. 
rolled back an Obama-era policy on from the Bureau of Prisons where they were housing gender transgender inmates in their preferred gender facilities, which because transgender people are at higher risk of sexual assault. So, oof, sorry. I feel like I'm re-traumatizing y'all. I mean, it happened. It's definitely, yeah. you know, it's reality. Yeah. This one came, was a while back and came back again with Trump's final order by allowing foster care programs to discriminate against LGBTQ people, refuse visas for partners of diplomats, but that's just diplomats, so change rules to deny cigarette-born children citizenships, which is basically children out, born out of wedlock. So in a gay relationship, that's a problem. What else? Change a whole bunch of definitions on what transgender people are defined as, including like CDC, of regulations and that. Um, what else? Did a whole bunch of website alters just to get rid of any mentions of transgender people, transgender perfections. I swear, I'm almost done with this. Oh, no. sorry. Um, Tally's just being really hilarious yeah, in the background. Tally's playing with this toy. I think she's really happy about yeah. today, too. What the fuck? <laughs> she doesn't usually She's just get... like tossing things. Yeah, in she there. doesn't usually get this hyper. So I think for anyone listening, the cat is just like going yeah. kind of nuts. So, to the sound of my voice, excited. describing all this horror. No, I we have headphones, we have he so she, she's headphones. not quite hearing the horrors. <laughs> yeah. Unless cats oh. can, I don't know, maybe cats Their pick sense up on of hearing that. is yeah. so good, so who knows. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, if you want to keep going, go for it. Just a few more. Uh, refusing the LGBTQ asylum seekers fleeing violence. Uh, embassy pride flags were, they were directed to ban those during Pride Month, left the, United, the UN Human Rights Council. And a whole bunch of other stuff, but we are going to focus on the on the air quotes fun ones that affected a lot of people that we know and love most, including Muslim bans, one, two, and three, and the denationalization task force. Hey, wait! Before we just like get into that, I just want to point out the irony that I don't think is lost on anyone who listens to this podcast, but is like, lot. I, I feel like still got lost on like a large portion of the public. Like, hearing all those anti-LGBT discrimination moves just, like, outlined. It's just hilarious that... Okay. It's hilarious what Tally's doing in the background. <laughs> um, no, but it, it's um, hilarious how much he was pitching, like, the Muslim ban on, like, a quote-unquote uh, pro-LGBT platform. Like, yeah. oh, oh my just, God. these people might not share our American values. We can't let them in without extreme vetting to see if they might be homophobic and transphobic and it's like bitch yeah. you're you're the threat to queer right, people in right. this country like oh my god i completely like you lose forgot the, the you use you lose the right to use queer people as your pawns if you if don't you, even like, like like you're not even keeping them in a nice pawn case yeah. like yeah yeah oh man i remember that's like all coming back to me now about how trump was basically like saying he was going to be a president the better for better for um, LGBT people than Hillary, so that was... Yeah, but it was only used for, like, literally the Muslim ban was the time where he was, like, had that shitty picture with the rainbow flag. That was such a, Jesus, a yeah. component of the initial rollout of that, but he didn't yeah. do anything uh, to actually benefit queer people. Yeah. Yeah, so basically he's, he was talking about the Muslim ban since 2015, and he discussed it on the campaign trail, but... Uh, and basically, January 2017, he signed the executive order, which banned foreign nationals from seven predominantly Muslim nations from visiting the country for 90 days and suspended entry for all Syrian refugees indefinitely and prohibited any other refugees from coming to the country for 120 days. So that list was Iraq, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Yemen, and Syria previously mm -hmm. mentioned. So 
And then there were more uh, added later, right? Yeah. Um, that was basically, while it took about a couple of months to wind its way through the courts, courts objected. March 2017, we get two Muslim ban version two, which exempts people who've already been granted visas and green cards or moves Iraq from the banned country list, but is still a religious discrimination religious discrimination ban under the guise of national security. They set up an order, the Supreme Court left in place a lower court order exempting grandparents, grandchildren, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, aunts, nieces, basically extended family for people entering the United States. So that you could still bring those people in, but it was basically reallowing the idea, like what would be, what was being called chain migration. So eventually that got screwed up during the summer for Trump. So Muslim ban version three in September, 2017, which blocks travel to the United States from six countries and then adds uh, North Korea and Venezuelan government officials along with Chad, Iran, Libya, North Korea, Somalia, Syria, Venezuela, and Yemen. And that's been more or less in place with adjustments due to court battles. So hopefully um, Biden undoes it this week. I think it just got repealed like now now yeah, yeah as of time that, recording yeah. god uh, okay i think all i'm gonna do is point out irony on this podcast while ali has like a lot of research and information um but i'm, I'm just remembering like the initial muslim ban being like one of the first major actions that was like okay trump is actually gonna follow through on his campaign bullshit and then that like i'm just remembering the irony of all the people who were being like anti-alarmist um during the campaign saying oh, there's no way that Trump could win. He's so bad. Like, as soon as he got elected, flipping to, oh, don't worry, he won't be so bad. There's no way he'll actually do the things he said. And it's like, wait, but <laughs> which one is it? Yeah. It's it's one or the other. Um, And I think that executive order was kind of a, a wake-up call to a lot of people who didn't think he was actually going but... to follow through on his it, xenophobic. Even some of the, like, particularly... um older boomer male relatives who were lecturing me in that way and gaslighting me when I was expressing concern and they were like oh don't worry he's not even gonna like be considered for the presidency and then it turned into like exactly what you said it turned into oh he's not gonna follow through on these things that he's saying it's not gonna be that bad just wait and see it just like kept going it was still like wait and see wait and see even like as he was implementing rolling out these inhumane policies it's like okay what's it gonna take yeah and what privilege to be able to say that I specifically remember like how exhausted I was like on election night and I just went to I think I went to bed early that night I woke up like in the middle of the night like two in the morning looked at my phone and I was like of course he won and it was just that was the sort of the start of it. Yeah. But I remember like telling everyone like this is going to affect people's lives really. And even the Muslim ban to me was a bit of a surprise just because like that's like usually shit Republicans say during the campaign trail just as red meat to their, you know, xenophobic base. But, you know, he followed through, which which was not shocking, but shocking because usually Republicans say a lot of this stuff. It's like they always say they're going to do something about abortion or Roe v. Wade, but they never actually do or anything that actually like lasts more than one court battle. So, but no, he kept fighting for this. And in a sense, he won because he, he didn't get the ban he wanted, but he got the ban he could get away with. And in the meantime, mm. he just blocked a lot of people. Like even, I think that's kind of his strategy. Like even if things aren't going to stick, he can pass things that screw up people's lives in the meantime before they get repealed. Yeah, yeah, just slows like were, down everything. Like they were passing new regulations on Twitter for like immigration and naturalization. And even though they were going to be struck down in a week or a month, like it still created chaos for anyone applying because 
like people who are in the process of it are like, how does this rule affect me? The lawyers don't know this because they didn't go through the normal processes where they workshopped it, sent it up and down the channels until they had all the edge cases worked out. It's like, nah, here's your thing on Twitter. And then the government, you know, sends out the emails. Like every few weeks, there was some there was some immigration policy that, um, mm-hmm. you know, got rolled out and like then a court a court blocked it. But like that takes time and it definitely causes confusion. It doesn't like it doesn't provide for uh, an efficient process for anyone. Um, something something else I'll mention that happened in the, under the Trump administration was the really ridiculously named um, migrant protection protocol and that's like people who traveled through um, Mexico seeking asylum were or have been and still are being forced to um, wait at the border like in Mexico and um, have an initial interview or screening um, to see like is there a reason the person is uh, afraid to stay in Mexico and they're like you know people who are not even from Mexico and it's like how are they supposed to know they haven't lived in Mexico how are they suddenly supposed to know like specific reasons they would be afraid to remain in Mexico so that that was another way of uh, just completely slowing down what's like legal legally someone's right um, to seek asylum Um, yeah and while the due process did work out all these changes for people who especially people who were paying for their own lawyers was basically made the cases more expensive yeah and people um people affected by the migrant protection protocol quote unquote didn't even have the um option of having a lawyer even at their own expense, they were not even given the option to be represented. Yeah. So. And this is, of course, we haven't even mentioned the whole kids in cages deal with the child separation at the border deal. That's. Yeah. Which is still still an ongoing issue. And it, it wasn't new under the Trump administration. Um, definitely the numbers of people affected increased, but it's definitely something that needs to still be fought against yeah so and there's still kids who basically haven't found their parents because no one kept notes although some people saying yeah they did keep notes but we've lost a database and it's just like this whole ongoing saga and it's it was stupid it was costly and it was tragic and it was all completely avoidable which seems to be the epitaph of this entire administration stupid tragic horrifying and completely avoidable Mm-hmm. And going in the background of late 2017 was the um, discussion of bringing up a denaturalization task force, which is a personal favorite of mine, which was called uh, Task Force Janus, which is especially ironic because Janus was the ancient Roman god of like gateways and beginnings of ends. Also a two-faced god. So drink in that irony. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I'm, like my, my ancient ancient um historical knowledge finally comes in to for a point finally but uh, (laughs) uh, so denaturalization is a process where they go and strip citizenship for people who've been granted citizenship this was originally used as a weapon against immigrants and dissenters for about a thousand people a year starting in 1935 through 1941 then it was explicitly changed to target post-naturalization political activity um you know for being 
Nazis or later communists for getting your citizenry vote. Eventually, this was they put a, the Supreme Court put a stop to this in 1967, and the practice from there out came just for stripping people of the citizenship who basically committed war crimes and lied. And that was about a, worked out to be around 100 people a year under the Obama, Obama administration. Mm-hmm. And then the Trump administration heard floating cases on pulling back for less pulling back citizenship on applications for less serious crimes, less material, like things that wouldn't be material to the case, but they lied and they got caught. So now we're going to strip. They'll take anything. Yeah, yeah, they'll take anything, including stuff that was done after they became citizens. And initially they went against the easier targets, you know, murderers, child predators, and child rapists, because, you know, who who cares about those guys, right? But eventually there was talk about expanding it to to up to 200,000 immigrants going back years. So, and that was like a huge question mark because it's like, how far back can you go? Are you going to go against like people who forgot to mention convictions or arrest or didn't know the situations around their immigration status at the time? Like they didn't know, it didn't know it was relevant. It was later admitted, it became relevant later after the case was settled, stuff like that. And it then just sort of raised the question of like, but what about all those people that were brought in on so-called chain like family migrations. And for a couple of months, that was kind of like scary because I was like, well, this affect my family who came here in this like late seventies, early eighties, how far back would this go? But it turned out to be like, it basically died in court. And I'm kind of glad that's how it went. But for a short, painful time in 2018, uh, I was severely worried about this. But yeah. It's, yeah. Even um, the fear, even that fear, even if it doesn't like result in anything, the fear can like really affect people's lives. Yeah, I and think, and they I might think, make I think decisions based off that. That's real too. Like, obviously there's really material consequences to everything that had like some sticking, even if it was eventually overturned in court. But even the things mm-hmm. that like never were implemented, like there's something mm-hmm. to be said about how much this administration has just like fucked with people's psyches and mentally exhausted them so that we're yeah. um, we're too exhausted to notice whenever like the next move is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and sort of provoked this state of hypervigilance, which yeah. was like I, I was paying way more attention to right wing speakers and thought pieces just because I was like, okay, are they floating an idea for the Trump administration? Is this the next big stupid thing? And it was emotionally and mentally exhausting. I had to turn off like Facebook and Twitter for like weeks at a time just to, just to, I wouldn't get away from the information. I just reduced the volume of it temporarily so I could deal with it again. And oof, right? I also forgot how long ago that was. It's like, wow, time has passed. Yeah. It's like all of this feels like it was like a few weeks or months ago. Like Yeah, no way. Like, like like I remember this was back um where you when you were still in town, Alia. We were discussing mm-hmm. the DNAT stuff and I was like, wait, wasn't that like a month ago, two months ago when that was a big deal? No, that was two years ago. God. Three years ago. It's it's Ugh, this compression of time thing is real. Um, and even though we're going to have to like basically start protesting and keeping a watch on whatever Biden's doing, it's like, like I'm relieved that it's Biden because yeah, right. he's not, because he's not like, so he doesn't seem like the same attention seeking narcissist that Trump is where it's constant. Yeah. Uh, we're, I at least yeah. I at least get the impression from him that he will consider input from other human beings. Um, yeah. At the very least, 
I'm not, this is not a, like, let's praise Biden moment for me, but... Um, no, if, I mean, of course, no. I don't think like, any of us are on that page, but I also no. can't get behind anyone who says there's not a difference between them. Yeah. Like, no, there are there are differences that are making serious impact on uh, people's lives. There's yeah, a, there's this, uh, day there's this, one. Yeah, there's this guy on my Facebook who's already throwing down so hard on the both sides are bad thing, and I'm just like, really, bro? And I know this, and I have to work with this guy. This guy is a smart dude. He's my senior. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to unfriend you if you keep saying stuff like that. It's so exhausting and annoying because. Yeah, there's a way of saying, there's a there's a way of saying like the work isn't over without going to Yeah, but, but he's just this white dude. He's just throwing this both sides is, both sides are bad things and therefore equally condemnable. I'm like, Democrats are yeah. shit. Liberals are shit, but they're not like. It's different this, shit. There's different types of shit. Like, mm -hmm. have you not seen the difference between, like, diarrhea and a nice firm poop? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, on the other I'm, hand, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that now that Biden and Harris are in office, the people who are like, you can't criticize them at all because we can't afford to lose to Trump. Like, now, now that at least is done. And it's like, yeah. okay. Now, now we can go in. I kind of made a conscious effort not to be critical of Biden during the election cycle as yeah. a specifically I for that. Why. Yeah, I understand. I that. understand that. I don't like. I I understand not prioritizing that. I think I also didn't prioritize that. Um, and I I think some people were actively like dampering others who were making legitimate criticisms of Biden or Harris. I don't know. Regardless, like, yeah. I'm glad that that's not, like, the thing anymore. Like, debating mm -hmm. how much we should criticize people yeah. who deserve to be criticized yeah. and we could just criticize them without having them as the alternative to an orange fascist. Like, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are people who, there is, of course, the accelerationist argument, which is basically let's make things worse so people are way more comfortable with a radical change, which is something that Trump's liked, but I've also seen this from like leftist friends of mine. It's like, yeah, let's, if Trump's in office, we can, we might see like a Bernie Sanders like person in 2024 when things are really bad. And I'm like, how many people are going to die in the meantime? Like, he, I, mean, I mean, like, especially after, like, I saw that argument start like happening a lot less after COVID was a thing and the numbers started racking up, but mm -hmm. still Jesus fucking Christ, yeah. you know? God, did you see today the new administration was like, Everyone needs to wear a mask on federal property. Like that wasn't already a thing. The bar Even is so that, low. The bar is so fucking low that they had to do that. <laughs> not like everyone has to wear a mask. Not everyone in a like say hot zone has to wear a mask. Yeah, People literally in just prop federal property. Yeah. that's a novel concept. Like now, now like, it's like on par with Safeway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe with a tiny bit more enforcement. A little. I don't know. Depends who you are. There Depends are certain are. grocery stores that yeah. are like on it. Oh, those poor, like, so there's this uh, local air market called Phoenicia in Houston. Mm -hmm. And they did do, they do basically require masking in the store. But the moment you walk in the store, people like pull the mask over the nose. They pull it down over the chin. They don't respect the six foot thing. And I was just, I was there like two weeks ago. And this was like a whole deal because I needed some fresh bread. I needed some zatar. I needed some olive oil i need yeah. some spinach pies and of course yeah yeah and 
but no, I see like, you know, basically this woman who could have been a cousin of mine, you know, with her mask over down over her nose, just standing right next to me looking at this thing of olives. And I'm like, I want to say something, but it's like, it's Texas, you know, what's going to be done? Because yeah. we like, we don't enforce rules here on masks because like, like the cops don't give a fuck. But uh, yeah, no, I've been but... seeing pictures of different establishments in Houston. And I'm like, y'all are going full yeah, force Texas without masks. in general seems... Oh my god, um, yeah. the mayor actually yeah. had to step in against a musician who was basically holding concerts with just in Houston, packed concerts. Not surprising. Oh. Um, yeah, well. But uh, um, despite all my reservations and annoyances with Biden and Harris, it's like I'm glad they're coming in for a lot of reasons, but I also don't expect them to shed any of the bad habits of previous Democrats just because like war on terror, use of drone strikes, assassinations, all that good stuff. I expect that still to be a thing. I don't expect a very quick rollback. Some of the more nuanced, um, I don't see like I don't see like them really pushing super hard on pulling back the immigration regulate regulatory changes like immediately. This could yeah. be a good thing. They could say, "Well, let's just roll it back to like pre-Trump," but you know, I, think I really hope they're gonna they- reverse a lot of um trump era immigration things but i don't think i don't expect like like a a huge change in militarism or even like uh i don't expect like any major defunding of the police yeah yeah yeah. nothing will fundamentally change biden yeah i mean i think we'll see i don't know yeah we'll see i'm not gonna get too predictive right now i mean it's it's at this point of recording it's been less than eight hours or nine hours since Morning, so I think we can give him a break till he tr- actually fucks up. Yeah, but I think I I am. I, I'm, there's like a lot of weird Trump era hot button orders that I think are gonna get dropped, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's something gonna be right a step now. up. Yeah, yeah, but the, like I'm going to be really interested in the first month or the first ninety days when the Democrats have to address things. Like, are we going to? take a lot of these executive orders and make them into law proper so the next Republican can't just repeal them with an executive order. Good point, yeah. Are we going to fill in like a lot of these federal bench position openings as they come up as quickly as possible to prevent, you know, these lifelong appointments of extremely conservative Republicans? Are we going to stack the Supreme Court like we have threatened to do, supposedly? Yeah, I'm also interested like if like Electoral College is going to get addressed at any point during this term god i don't think it's gonna be the priority but i think like it is it is a situation which i could see that happening because it's like quote unquote not partisan because the person currently in office won both electoral and popular votes so it it can't be framed as like yeah a sore loser or that kind of thing yeah i would like to see a lot of electoral reform but on the federal level you know congress could do it but you also have to get the states on board with that and at risks um, uprooting a lot of entrenched power, especially in Republican areas where the minority is holding because of gerrymandering. Yeah. It's it's when, gross. You basically have to have Republicans move against their own best interests, which I don't see that happening. And because yeah. of how st- our stupid system works, it's going to be difficult to see any sort of electoral changes, especially when the Democrats won the last election cycle and have flipped two states. So, like, they the argument would be, well, we won under the system. Why would we change that? And I hope they find the wisdom in changing the fucking system because it's so fucking dumb. Yeah, why do we just, like, we all vote and then spend hours staring at Nevada? <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. 
Biden, um, Harris, if anyone... If you're listening to If you're to listening this, to the Queer Arabs, because I'm sure that's what Because, well, we do. did do a thing for He's, your campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, take what we say into consideration. Yeah, yeah you owe us for that, like, 40 Honestly, seconds. Honestly, yeah, you do, yeah, you do owe you us. You owe us. You yeah. owe us one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, the, what, what direction the Republican Party takes next is going to be an interesting drama. Yeah, if, I've been... It, whether they decide to... Curious. Keep going for the Trumpians and like very like nativist populists, yeah. or if they're trying to rebrand themselves by like doing mm. some tokenism but still having the same fundamental policies. I don't know. Yeah. Like, are they gonna yeah, go like, like kinder, softer Republican, or just keep going? That it's era? basically. I, I see this as like Bush compassion, like Bush George Bush compassionate conservative versus hard Trumps. Oh man, and there's already talk about Trump forming his own political party. And Texas has again talking starting to talk about secession because of course they do every time a Democrat wins. Something's never fucking change. <laughs> Tradition. Every time with these people. Tradition. Well, this is, this is can I go on yeah. a tangent? Please. Okay. Please. Um so there's a line I want to pull out of um Biden's acceptance speech today that I don't think is getting enough attention when he's like <laughs> We've never failed in America, yeah. which is not only like hilarious in terms of like systemic failures of the country, but I fail in America on a regular yeah. basis, and that line offended me. Come on, Joe. Don't lie to people. I've failed um, five times before I even wake up this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I failed to wake up in America today. Like I, I thought I was going to get up at like eight, and I didn't. Yeah. Okay, here's the exact quote. If okay. we do that, I guarantee you we will not fail. We have never, ever, ever, ever failed in America when we've acted together. Um, I think we yeah. have. We I've definitely absolutely have. <laughs> I'm going to um, go with um, exhibit number 4,000 and some number, some hilariously high number, the war on terror, when we were, air quotes, all on board with that. Yep. What if terror won? I think terror won the war on terror. <laughs> Not I mean, like a particular shit. terrorist group, just like the, just concept, like the concept, the emotion of terror. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that. terror's triumph was the siege of Washington, yeah. D.C. on the 6th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, I mean, terror came home. We, 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 uh, it's, we already got home been, it's always been home. Terror has well, always I mean, it, been here. Yeah, but now it's affecting actual politicians. Yeah, now they're yeah. now they're paying attention. Well, actually, um, maybe this is an interesting topic to talk about, like uh, what we label as terrorism and like different discussions that have been going on around that. Because I think like the the first obvious reaction, especially from like brown people, was like call these white terrorists because there's a double standard. Are, yeah, um, and then th- there's been kind of like a reassessing of that, like about whether or not we contribute to like the language of like the whole framework of considering things terrorism, um, because like this is likely gonna result in anti domestic terrorism laws that are yeah. mostly gonna be used to um target people of color and Suppress, Muslims and like, immigrants. BLM. Yeah. 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 I've always uh considered the police to basically be terrorists whenever they're targeting black and brown communities just because it's like what else can you call it no for sure but like will that be used against like blm protesters Mm -hmm. like this this okay if you're rioting quote-unquote rioting you know which people like to throw that word at like blm protesters all the time um if rioting is then like if that equates 
to terrorism and it like gets to be used interchangeably i guess it's, it's still it's important yeah, to yeah. think who that will affect long term or basically yeah. just the idea of using the label of terrorist as the special distinction you know like yeah. this is a special category by which we need to do to exert extraordinary measure like just having a yeah. that kind of category i think a lot of people would argue is part of this whole war on terror mentality yeah. where we'll yeah. just throw away normal processes and human rights regulations to go after people who have been deemed in this other category mm-hmm. and whether regardless of like the particular person we're considering a terrorist it's yeah. not a great pattern i don't know and that that falls into the whole police brutality and militarization of the police and yeah. substitution of the police in place of more specialized forces that would do like actual anti-terrorism task force and riot control. I don't think the police should be involved with policing protests just because like, look how well that's turned out. But, but you know, I'm one of those radicals who's like, a, who is legit abolish the police. And that's the thing like that. Uh, it's really frustrating. I mean, I know that like in June when there were like BLM protests were um, very widely publicized and in the news and stuff like, even people like people who had considered themselves quote moderate were starting to like understand the defund the police argument a yeah. little bit more. No, like but, I like, was having conversations about like police and prison abolition in like spaces I never would have been expecting that to happen. Me too. Before. Me too. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we're not. But what's stuck? Yeah, yeah. It couldn't have been nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, there was like discussions at a lot of local police departments about alternatives to it. There was discussion in Austin specifically about redistributing police funds after um, several shootings. That didn't go anywhere really, but or is still in progress. But there was some productive stuff done, but it just didn't really kick in nationally. Mm -hmm. But I think it really opened up the conversation nationally, which was a really good thing because like the policing varies wildly from jurisdiction to jurisdiction in the United States. For example, in my mom's um, home county, if you call a police for a mental health crisis, you'll get a specialized mental health worker who usually isn't armed who will come and de-escalate it as opposed to okay. I mean, the cops come in okay. and stuff like that. But if you say make the same call downtown Houston uh, for a homeless guy who's obviously having a mental health episode, you're probably going to have the cops show up and they are not going to. And like whether or not they choose to just de-escalate it or just treat it as a criminal thing purely is like up to the discretion which isn't which is a good dangerous. thing yeah which is dangerous for all involved and like it's literally the stupidest and most expensive way to handle it and least humane yeah absolutely so i'm hoping that will change a little under biden but my faith isn't high i, I i'm not impressed with these liberals i'm i'm trying not to yeah i'm trying not to get my hopes up i am feeling a little glimmer of hope today um but yeah um, yeah, I'm, again, like I said, I'm holding off on predicting too much because that feels that feels deterministic. I guess it's not about like what will they do, but what mm-hmm. should we be doing to right. um, try to get the best results out of them that are possible. Uh, we're still going to have to show up to protest. We're still going to have to write and volunteer and give money to the appropriate causes and candidates. So that just that never changes. That's right. always our deal. But yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the bad stuff isn't going to be so exceptionally and stupidly catastrophically bad every time it's bad. Yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I guess on that note, I actually want to, I kind of want to read some stuff from Jess's piece about comedy and no trauma, because I think it was just 
really good. Yeah, you'll like this. Um, so Jess Solomon, who we have interviewed for this podcast before, just did a piece um, with, who was this with? Hustler Magazine. You know how people say like, oh, at least Trump was good for comedy. I hate that argument. Um, and she just did a thing about why no Trump will be good for comedy. Yeah. And I just want to read a few quotes from that. Um, okay. So specifically, she says, um, for comedy, you need time plus tragedy, and Trump never gave us a minute, um, <laughs> which I think is basically what we've been saying. He's just been like slapping us over the head with things. As a political comedian pre-Trump, I'm excited for comedians who don't do political comedy to go back to what they're doing, because it's not for everyone. I'm also excited to take a topic that's in the news and create a bit about it, and for a thousand other things not to have happened in the month since I wrote it. Like when I had a line about my Muslim wife being registered at Bed Bath & Beyond. Not to have to say, guys, remember when Trump wanted to register Muslims? I know a lot has happened. I'm looking forward to making fun of Democrats. It's so much fun when they're in power and not when you feel like it's them or full-blown authoritarianism. <laughs> and then the last one she ends on is, uh, mostly I'm interested in writing about how Jared is doing in jail. That's a good note yeah. to wrap this up on, I think. Yeah. Everyone follow Jess Solomon, by the way, if you don't. I mean, if you're following me, please follow Jess Solomon. Why are you following me? Follow both of them. Follow both, yeah. You can follow as many people as you want. That's... The beauty of social media. Yeah. yeah, we're not the cops. Follow whoever you want. Yeah. Also, don't be stingy with likes. Yeah. Be like like posts. There's no limit as far as I know. I mean, don't be weird about it, but also like like people's posts. Yeah, like it like actually can do a lot for like people. Like yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not being stingy with likes in my speech or in my social media use. <laughs> because it actually can make a difference in people's visibility or if it's something that is related to their career, their yeah. income. Or not even, yeah, and yeah. even if it's not their career, just... Or it so makes them feel good. Yeah, exactly. Just let's not like, be stingy with that People think it's, like, shit. superficial to care about this stuff. But no, we don't, we don't see people in real life that much anymore. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, just, get, just don't we'll go through all my photos it. and like the stuff from five years ago. Yeah, that's, no, that's Yeah, weird. don't that's do weird. that shit. But, but like, like the stuff that's posted yesterday or yeah. today, you know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that note, um, thank you all for listening. And you can follow us and like our stuff on the, the, on, sorry, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And our website is thequeerabs.com. We're at the Queer Arabs on all our socials, and then you can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. Thanks, all. Mm-hmm.